Jackie. For this, I'm here with Jackie Cation. Very accomplished, super funny stand-up OG podcaster. Sure. I am accomplished. <laughs> I do feel like I've accomplished something. So there's that. <laughs> First I wrote down weathered. That's the wrong oh, that word. That's not a good word. That, I, I, especially in Los Angeles. Who wants? We have some weather to go going on though. Whatever. It's hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's hot. <laughs> um, I was just telling Jackie I'm so excited to talk to her because uh, it's like I almost feel like I'm talking to my my aunt with the the Midwestern accent. Sure, because you grew up in Minnesota, you said, right? Yeah. Where'd so- you grow up? Southwest Minnesota, Jackson. Have you ever heard? Nope. Like- I'm sure I drove by it on my way to Worthington. Yes, uh- <laughs> 30 minutes away. A mere 30 minutes away. Sure, I did a, be- I did a Best Western there one time, back in the, the olden times, when there was a stand-up comedy weekend there, some Best Western. How long were you in Minneapolis? Uh, six or seven years. I can't remember. I was very drunk. So I think like 90 to 96 <laughs> or 90 to 97. I can't remember. They release some, they'll do like the drunky, those surveys where it's like the drunkiest city oh, right, in the right. country. And it's always like Milwaukee and Minneapolis, just neck right, and neck. Right. Sometimes it's Pittsburgh, you know, just in, <laughs> on a bad year, it'll be somewhere in Northern Florida. It's, uh, you know, there's a lot. turns out alcohol, people are on board. You want Especially to have an adult beverage. Yeah. In the cold places, though, it's like you got to stay yeah, warm. Yeah, there's nothing to do. There's yeah. literally the meetings or the bars. Those are, that's what, I lived in P-Town in Provincetown, Massachusetts for three summers. Okay. And in the summers, there's plenty of work. And in the winters, there's literally nothing to do. And that first summer, I stayed through October to work. And um, and I, I saw the transition into some serious alcoholism. alcoholism. Yeah. yeah, it was amazing. Nice. Okay, so you're the youngest of six. I am. My, so it's so it's such a kindred to my upbringing. My dad was the youngest, sec. He was the baby, but he's second youngest of nine. Okay. So I love listening nine. to your album. Yeah. He, oh wow. That's yeah. a lot of kids. Catholic. Yes. Yeah, that'll do. That'll happen. You, are is your family Catholic? My mother's. My, both of my my father loves a Catholic girl. It turns out, my dad my dad's Armenian, but my my birth mother is uh, Catholic, and my stepmother was Catholic, so Irish Catholic and then Italian Catholic. Oh yeah, so a bunch of Catholics, man. They'll so, have they'll have a bunch of kids. They will have a bunch of kids. <laughs> um, I, I love. It. So your dad was like gold soup. Pinky ring kind of? Yeah, gold suit pinky ring. Yeah, that's uh, he's an aluminum siding salesman, so very dapper, my dad. Nobody knows what Armenians are. They do here because uh, the place is crawling with Armenians. Um, but the uh, in Wisconsin, everybody thought it was a Baltic swordfish, so it's fine. <laughs> but, uh, but it's been weird to live here for lo these many years, and just everyone's Armenian. And they're like, you don't speak Armenian? And I'm like, nope. I can do church and food. What do you need? uh, No, in Minnesota, like, I never, I don't think I ever met an Armenian until... No, no, there's a small Armenian church in St. Paul, Minnesota, but Mm -hmm. um, there's, I think there's less than 100 Armenians who go to it, and uh, it's a pretty little church. I think it used to be a Catholic church, got reconsecrated. Who knows? Who knows? (laughs) Um, So, yeah, you do a bunch of material about your upbringing. I do. I Um, do. And... I just thought I loved all this stuff about, yeah, I mean, Jackie, you make the, like, your your mom dying so funny. Yeah, yeah. She's uh, funny people. It's nothing but, you know, sometimes tragedy can be milked for for whatever, you know, and it's like sometimes, but if you can make it funny, 
more people relate to it. Sometimes, like... Plus, you've had some time. Oh, my God, so much time. And uh, and my, my stepmother's death was a lot harder this last album just because she raised us and then she had just died. So, like, I have a storytelling album on Bandcamp that oh, yeah? I told the story of my stepmother dying um, probably weeks after it had happened, you know? It was... It was uh, it's still funny because uh, I came back. She died before it'll be four years now, and the summer she she died in July, of I guess it would be twenty thirteen then, and it was the same week as the Batman uh, shooting in Colorado. Oh, the God. Batman movie shooting. Yeah. So I came back to Los Angeles, hanging out with a bunch of comics who by definition, have the social skills of uh, a pile of Asperger's <laughs> victims. And uh, I walk up to him, and one of them, and I know one of them, and um, he says, how's it going? And I was like, oh, I just came from my, my mom's birthday, my stepmom's birthday, uh, funeral, rather. And one of the other comics goes, oh, she uh, she killed in that Batman movie? And oh! I was like, too soon. On all, it was four days from both of those two things. And I was like, on all sides, Captain Asperger's, you are not good at this. You are bad at all of this social skill business. And But it was funny. I mean, but I couldn't stop laughing. And my stepmother would have thought it was hilarious. So... She, so, but you got to see her soon before. Yeah, I saw her like two weeks before she died. She died uh, relatively unexpectedly. She'd always been kind of sick. Like she, you know, she was always, you know, she was, she had like an eating disorder and, and, and didn't uh. eat a lot. And so she was always on some crazy diet that oh. involved uh, her kidney shutting down. So, I mean, there was a lot of things going on. Sure. So um, she was usually pretty ill. And she looked great, huh? <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> she was super hot. <laughs> and, uh, but the, uh, yeah, so when she passed away, it was unexpected and sad, but it was also like, oh man, what are you doing to yourself over there? So, but. Were, were she and your dad together? No, no, they had been divorced for like 15, 20 years after. Uh, so they got married in, I think, 73, and they got divorced in 98. So they were married for like 25 years. Like, well, like into your adulthood. Well into my 30s or 20s or whatever the math uh-huh. would be on that. I am 107, so I don't remember. <laughs> but it's, um, but it would have, um, what happened was is she raised us. And then her, my, my grand, my dad's mom and her mom both moved in with them. And she took care of them for another five years. What a saint. Yeah, kind of. Except for that uh, she was, uh, she, you know. Uh, she's pretty psyched about it. Anyway, so, she, I mean, she was a saint, but she wasn't a modest one. Sure, and, uh, sure. So, she let you know. <laughs> and by the way, you don't have to be. You don't have to be modest if you're putting out for everybody for a thousand years. So good work. And, uh, but, yeah, and then uh, um, it was, she was really funny because she came to my wedding and I got married when I was 40. Uh-huh. And, um super late and my only thing was that everybody had to come and everybody had to keep it together that weekend i, I have six siblings i have five siblings uh-huh. right there's six of us two of my brothers hadn't spoken in 15 years that's how it is in those big families yeah my oldest brother uh is weird about my sister being gay and so daryl was like if i don't have to talk to him it'll be fine and uh, and i was like that's all i ask and uh so and and my dad and everybody was mad at my dad so and and then I invited my Deservedly? stepmother. 
yeah, my father's, he's just a button pusher sometimes. So you're just like, he thinks he's being hilarious and he is not. He's not being hilarious. He's being a jackass. And um, hit and miss on the comedy. Comedy turns out a learned skill, Dad. And uh, he's got great timing, though. Uh, so um, I love his Hillary Clinton joke. Oh, right, right. He's like, she's not hot, but she's overqualified. <laughs> and I was like, I will take it. I will take that to the bank. That is fine. We need more of those. <laughs> right. I was like, that. I will take that old guy attitude over anything. I was just talking to him. Yes, I was talking to my brother yesterday who was explaining, my brother has two sons and they are, and my, fa- and my brother, all my entire family is in sales, right? Uh, almost oh. everybody, almost all of my siblings have at some point said to me, you know, I don't like stand-up comedy, but I, you know, I wish you the best of luck. I'm glad you're doing good. And, uh, and I have always said back, well, I don't enjoy money laundering, but whatever you're doing is fantastic. <laughs> Because they're all in some version of sales, right? My oldest brother is an evangelist. He sells the Jesus. And by the way, oh the meanest God. Jesus. And then my second oldest brother is a print salesman. My third oldest brother is a commodities broker. My fourth oldest brother is an econ professor. My sister is a financial advisor. And, uh, and I do stand-up. But uh, the, the crazy thing is, is, so I'm talking to my brother, one of my brothers yesterday, and he has two sons. And all... All advice in my family comes via a sales talk. It, everything has a sales angle. Everything has some sort of pitch, right? And that's how he was, he was explaining consent to oh my nephews. And I love my brother. My brother is a good man. He's a good person. And he is, uh, he's a jackass because he's my brother. But he is uh, hilarious and very smart and very funny. And uh, he was like, so I'm talking to, you know, and this is, he's telling me this story half a couple of years ago. And my, my nephews were 14 and 17. And they were out with my dad to lunch. And my brother starts talking about this. I said, you start talking about women in front of dad? That's like putting a nickel in a machine. And uh, he's like, oh, wait till he hear what he said. And so... He said he was talking to his nephews, my nephews, uh, his sons, and they're 14 and 17. And he said, you know, with women, no is non-negotiable. Complete sales pitch, right? He's just like, you know, a woman says no, the sale is over. This is not, you could probably convince her to say yes, but that is not a valid sale. And so just let it be no. If she meant yes, you will find out in the days and weeks to come. And he's like, and don't worry about it. There will always be... They'll have more sex than you can believe. There are plenty of leads out there. And that's when my dad pipes up. And my dad goes, yeah, you miss a streetcar. There's another one in 20 minutes. <laughs> and I was like, he said streetcar? Like he was Or- Orville Redenbacher? And, uh, and my brother was like, yeah, yeah, streetcar. It's sexist, but, but I know what he meant. I know what he meant. And I said, yes. Yes, I know what he meant, too. And it's good to know that he's in favor of consent. It means that my father takes no for an answer is what it means, right? It means that they all do. And yeah, I, I like the message. It's kind the of message a is, pitch, but... Right, well, the pitch is hilarious because, you know, <laughs> my pitch is, as a, as a woman, I'm like, you are correct. Please do not rape people. Congratulations. Well played. Yeah. And uh, so it's, I mean, but it just, it cracked me up because my dad, he just says these weird things and you're like, well, that's, you're right. But that's not how I would have put that. And, but fair enough. Do whatever you need to do, Pop. And because uh, he's, you know, he's eighty. Did they keep it together at your at your wedding? Uh, everybody kept it together at the wedding. And my my stepmother, uh, they had been separated and divorced now for like ten years when I got married. And and so I invited my stepmother's boyfriend, 
who um, they had been together for seven years. This mm. is a committed, they live together. This is her partner, right? Mm-hmm. So, and they're all 70 years old at the point, at this point. So, yeah, let's let it be. Yeah. And my dad's like, so Bob's coming? And, uh, and I was like, yeah, Bob's coming, Dad. Keep it together. And uh, because the thing is, is uh, the reason, and now we don't know that this is true, but this is my favorite story about why Nancy started, my stepmother started dating Bob, is because Bob and my dad used to play cards. Oh. And then Nancy started dating him, and my dad couldn't play cards at that pinnacle or whatever the hell it is. And I was like, because of how my, because my dad is not a bad person, but enormously thoughtless. Uh. So for her to have ruined something for him, I'm like, I'm actually okay with that. It's a, it's a tiny revenge. <laughs> Find another pinochle game, Dad. And uh, she raised your children. She took care of your dying mother. Uh, yeah. She give earned, her this. She earned this. Yeah. Um, so your, your mom, so you were seven when you lost your mom. And right. she was 33 and had six kids. She had just turned 34 when she died. By the way, so my new album, I say she's 33, the age of Christ. My oldest brother and my dad are both like, well, you know, she was 34. And I was like, yeah, I'm so sorry she didn't die eight days earlier. <laughs> I was like, then the joke would have been right. Who cares? Yeah, close enough. And close enough. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so she had, yeah, she started having kids. She was 26 when she had me. And my oldest brother is 10 years older than I am. And so she was 16 when she had my, my oldest brother. And it was a very romantic story in the 50s. Uh, she got pregnant. They got married. My dad oh, joined the fuck. Marines. So uh, that's a classic love story. I just think of it like in I'm 33 mm-hmm. and I cannot fucking imagine like have, six kids. Yeah. Under the age of it would have been when she was 33. Yeah. I was seven. So my oldest brother was 17. And then my father remarried almost immediately. And my stepmother was 26 and he was 35. And she was basically, how old was she when she started raising you guys? 26. 26? Yeah. And my oldest brother was 17. So they'd just gotten married. Yeah. And she... Oh, no. They got married because my father needed someone to raise his children. Oh. Yes. And it was, they, they had been dating and even living together, but they didn't, she didn't, and my father's like, she knew I had six kids. And I was like, why would she lie about that, Dad? Because my stepmother said that my dad never told her that he had six kids. Because, yeah, you guys weren't really, see, like, you didn't see your I dad I never saw much. my dad. Yeah. I never went, uh, the, my, they got, sep- my dad and my, my mom, my biological mom, got separated when I was, I think, four. And so when my mom died, she died a, very abruptly. She, uh, it was a motorcycle accident when mm-hmm. she, uh, her and her boyfriend were drunk, flipped off an overpass oh, and got run over by cars. So it was like I had Harley Davidson, though, so we're proud. Uh, we're from Milwaukee. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, could you imagine the neighbors if it had been a Kawasaki? <laughs> a little dark, a little dark. Too soon? So, uh, but the, the thing is, is um, so she dies and the cops come to tell us with my dad. And my brother Russ is sitting next to me, and he's four years older than I am. And he's the only one who's seen our dad for the, for the last uh, three years. Because he would do the money. He would do the money thing. Oh, yeah. And uh, so you have really done your research. I yeah, remember I, I told I, that story. <laughs> it's, but anyway, so but he was sitting next to me, and I was like, who's that guy? And he just hits me and goes, that's dad, you idiot. And I was like, oh, what's a dad? No, I didn't say that. How sad, How sad would that be? And, uh, but it was... Um, 
That's so, we were animals, though. Yeah, Sophia Alexandra is my uh, writing partner, and she's got this joke. Like, she never really knew her dad, but her mm-hmm. joke is like, you know, you have a deadbeat dad when you only have one daddy issue, and that's. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, that's funny. I love that. Um, so so your stepmom raised you guys, but she didn't really want kids. No, no, she never did. She used to talk about it. And it was so funny because in the last, it had to be the last 20 years of her life, uh, she would constantly, she was so proud of us, so proud of us. She was like, I love you kids and I love my grandchildren. And she lived 20 minutes from two of her grandchildren who she saw probably a dozen times in life and you're like yes you love the idea of being able to say I have grandchildren is what I think (laughs) she genuinely did not like children but she had a great enormous sense of responsibility and so she was like we are doing this you know you are gonna and so she made us breakfast four night four she had a full-time job she was a um hairdresser oh and so um and then when I, by the time I was in junior high, she had, uh, she switched and started doing like admin stuff, like uh, secretarial, because the standing was getting to her. And she was like, I'm going to take a break from hairdressing. Yeah. And then she went back to hairdressing and did it for like another five or six years. And then she took another break and retired. And then she got bored, retired. And so she took a job in fast food at the Milwaukee airport. Oh, God. I was like, what's that like? And she said, it's kind of hilarious. <laughs> and I was like, why? And she said... Well, because I'm working with a lot of very young, very troubled youth who, uh, she's like, a lot of them have kids and it's the only job they can get is this weird pizza hut at the airport and their moms are taking care of the kids and they're working their asses off trying to put food on the table, you know, and she's like, I'm just like, go, you guys. And she's like, I I get to do rah-rah. But I don't have to take care of their kids. <laughs> yeah, like, that's yeah. like her strong suit. It is her, it's very much her strong suit. And, uh, but she, um. Yeah, so she would make us breakfast, but she, it was like the weirdest, like the food thing was weird because she had food issues, right? Yeah. So there's six of us kids. My brother, Terry, was gone almost immediately just because he was 17 and uh-huh. there was trouble. And uh, and he's a mess. And so luckily he found the Jesus. <laughs> and, and that Jesus, as he said to me, what did he say? He said, you know, the church saved my life. It made me into a better man. And I said, yes. I just wish it made you into a better man than you are. Because oh, uh, I am also an asshole. And, uh, and he's, a, he's, a, he's, my father's a button pusher. My oldest brother is literally mean. Mean. There's no reason to be mean. There's no reason. Even to, with the, even with it, Especially the with the God. He's just like, his kids are beautiful. He's constantly calling them fat. His kids oh. are, and his son's an idiot. And his, and his oldest son is a, a, just a drug dealing moron. And he's just like, well, he can live with us. And you're like, that actually isn't helping. And, uh, you know, it just, he's, uh, here's the thing about being the youngest of six. You can't really boss up, but you can judge, it turns out. <laughs> which is exactly what I do. And so, anyway. But, um, so Nancy would, so we would make all of our lunches, all five of us kids on Sunday for the whole week. And I remember being eight years old when they got married and she said, what do you want in your lunches? And I didn't know I was picking forever. (laughs) I had bologna sandwiches for 
10 years until I, senior year in high school. You're like, I just wanted to try it. Right, I was like, <laughs> bologna? I like bologna. My sister picked peanut butter and jelly. You would have thought that that would have been nice because the jelly would change. It never changed. I was the cheapest jelly available, which, by the way, apricot. And oh. uh, my sister, to this day, not a lot of big fan of peanut butter. I don't eat a lot of bologna. My brother, Russ, he picked, get this, liverwurst. What? Yeah. So for five years, he had liverwurst sandwiches. Oh, my God. Oh, just the worst. And you had to make all of them on Sunday. And then she'd line up the paper bags. It would be a sandwich and an apple. And so by the end of the week, your sandwich was crunchy and your apple was a little, mm. and uh, But you had, there was food. And then every morning, she would make us breakfast. Mondays and Wednesdays were egg days. And Tuesdays and Thursdays were pancake days. And Thursday... Uh, there was fruit in the pancakes, but it was canned fruit, and she didn't drain it well, and she hated cooking. So the food was terrible. And on Friday, it was cereal day, and we'd all be like, oh, thank God. And, um, <laughs> but we all got fed and went to school fed. And then we had lunches, and then we came home, and then there was dinner, and she would come, and she worked her ass off. Like, she would go to work, she would work all day, she'd come home and make us dinner. Make Where sure was we your all- dad? Oh, wandering, wandering the streets. My father, remember the joke from the album? My father's a lot like radiation. Yeah. He affected our lives a lot, but we never <laughs> saw him. Yes. He's, uh, he was, he was working the road. He was working, he was working the room is what he was doing. My father, he enjoys, uh, uh, he does, he doesn't drink, but he gambles. And he likes ladies. He likes the ladies. So he was working that. And so... Uh, my brother Russ's theory on why my dad and my dad and Nancy got broken up is because when my grandmothers passed away, and they passed away within like four or five months of each other, um, Nancy had been busy for 25 years raising his children and taking care of their mothers. And then finally she didn't have anything to do. And so she was like, well, you want to do something tonight? And my dad was like, oh, we got to get a divorce. Uh, so I don't have time to... Uh, have a relationship. That's my that's that's my brother's Russ's theory. It's not, it may be true. It's not uh, it's not completely inaccurate. I don't think. So after all this, you didn't you didn't want kids yourself. Oh, I I never met anybody I was willing to have kids with. I thought I would have kids with David Letterman once when I was nineteen. Oh my God, I like him. Like, I liked him a lot when I was nineteen. Yeah. Since then, I've learned things about. Oh sure. Him. Yeah, he's a bit of a mover himself, and uh, plus. Yeah, he's a terrible boyfriend. I don't think it would have worked out. I like and his teeth, though. You like his teeth? They're, they're like, his, like, he's got he's a good, got giant like, choppers. I know, that's mm-hmm. kind of sexy. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> I thought it was, uh, my thing was I would fall for these guys because they were super funny. I spent oh, yeah. 30 years falling for comics that were just broken and not available. And luckily, one after another ignored me. Thank you, God, for never being interested in whatever this was presented to them. I mean, I know, I, I remind everybody of their mother. I was like, if you miss your mom, I mean, this is, I am not a MILF. This is not a, this is not a cougar. I am not a cougar, and I'm okay with that. But there, and there's no illusion. Like, I went over to Iraq to perform for the troops, and everybody here was like, oh, my God, you're going to be surrounded by hot 19-year-old guys. And I was like, have you ever been surrounded by 19-year-old guys? It's a lot like being buried under underneath a litter of golden retriever puppies. It is adorable, but exhausting. Uh, and I was like, if you miss your mom, I'll hug you. How about that? Uh, so, so, okay. Yeah. So. Well, so yeah, so we never had kids, but then I, I fell in love with my husband, but I was 40, you know? And so we, you know, we were like, 
Mm, you want to just try and have sex without a condom? You want to try and have sex without a condom? And we waited a little bit because <laughs> we both didn't know if we wanted kids. Andy had the funniest line when we were uh, when we were talking about kids. He's like, do you think there's a kid in the world who deserves two bad cops as parents? Because <laughs> we're both super grumpy. <laughs> Are you? You don't and seem grumpy. I know, but you should. Uh, I did childcare for a long time. That was one of my jobs when I moved here. Uh-huh. And plus, I am the youngest of six. So I constantly got roped into childcare with my brothers. And I was like, all right, yeah, of course. Of course, I'll help you with your children. Yeah. And, uh, and but the, the, so when, you know, by the time we got married, I'm like, I have like four eggs left, right? And so, like, I had a miscarriage, and then I didn't, you know, and and then it never took again. And you're like, am I relieved? Am I not relieved? And, I mean, there's part of me that's sad, because a tiny Andy Ashcraft, the world could use such a thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because he would actually make an excellent father of three. Yeah. Because he has a lot of dumb jokes right at the ready. Right (laughs) at the ready. That guy has got a pun available uh, at almost any time. Plus, he's a game designer, so um, as long as you didn't play with his toys, I'm sure he'd be very supportive. You guys seem like you have, like, a really sweet relationship. I'm kind of at this stage. Also, your career is like a child, right? Into into yeah, a like certain he's point. a game designer, and I'm a and, and I'm a stand up comic. So we are like the funnest aunt and uncle in the world, right? Oh yeah, nailed so. it. Um, yeah, I'm, I, but and you have an iguana. So your yeah. mom to an iguana and some feral cats. We got a lot of feral cats in the neighborhood. I'm a big fan of uh, spaying and neutering your cat. Even your feral cats. Andy spent, like, about five years ago, him and one of the neighbors caught all the cats and spayed and neutered them. And it was great. We had five five years where we only had, like, six cats in the neighborhood. And uh, somebody brought, like, a cat came in from out of town, and we're back up to, like, a dozen, 20 cats. Jesus. And we have an iguana because Andy used to work at PlayStation, and one of the other game designers came in. He had impulse bought three iguanas. Uh-uh. And Andy was like, you know that they grow to be three and a half feet long. And the guy was like, what? And he said, did anybody want an iguana? So he gave an iguana to Andy, and he gave an iguana to another guy. And those two guys both killed their iguanas in the first year because iguanas, it turns out, are hard to take care of in the first couple of years. Uh, Tiberius is 22 years old. Jesus Christ. And, How long do they live? Well, like 25, 30 so we're, he's getting to be kind of an old guy now, mm-hmm. and, uh, and he's very sweet. And I have known him for 14 years, and uh, I, we, we don't have a lot. We have some conversations. That's about <laughs> it. It's me going, hey, buddy, and uh, you want to come out? And uh, then I open the cage, and then he walks out into the yard, and he wanders around and eats my plants. And uh, Is he civil? Like, it's not like... He's super civil, and he's got a tiny lizard mind. So even if he's grumpy, and he's been grumpy four times, I think, in the last uh-huh. 12 years, which means that... He doesn't have any teeth. He has cartilage. So if he bites you, he like, and he bit Andy once. And what they do is they they just hold on to like your skin, and then they turn their head really fast. Ah. And it's cartilage, so it would rip his skin really bad. Ah. So Andy said he got bit one time from him, and so Tiberius grabs his hand, like sort of the meaty part of the palm, and Andy was like oh no, there'll be no turning of your head. And he just kept following Tiberius's head around until he could poke at him with a stick and make him let go. But he still had a couple of like little jagged like cartilage scars. Uh-huh. And, um, but for the, most, for the most part, he doesn't, like one time he charged me, but he's not fast. 
It's pad, 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 pad. And then he gets to my foot, and I put, and I was working in the garden, so I put my shovel in front of my foot, and he gets to the shovel, and he's like, well, thank God she's gone. Because he's not smart. He's not a smart animal. But, and, um, but he is kind of like a cat in the way that wherever you're working, he yeah. wants to come and sit on whatever you're doing. Yeah. So if I'm shoveling in a different, if I'm working on a part of the garden, he's like, what are you doing over here? <laughs> That's sweet. Yeah, it's very sweet. Hey guys, we're going to get right back to Jackie, but first I want to turn you on to something that is going to make your month so much easier, and that's Lola Tampons. You guys, I love this subscription. It's fully customizable. You choose your own mix of light, regular, and supers, how many boxes, how often they come, because duh, you know your body best. The subscription is super flexible. You can change, skip, or cancel at any time. The tampons are 100% cotton with BPA-free plastic applicators. They don't put any of that other yucky stuff that most of the major brands do. And maybe my favorite part is that they're founded by women for women. Best combo ever. So get on board with Lola tampons. For 60% off your first order, visit mylola.com and enter bites with a Y when you subscribe. Again, that's 60% off your first order. You guys, it cannot hurt to try. Visit mylola.com and enter bites with a Y when you subscribe. That's M-Y-L-O-L-A.com, promo code bites. Try it, you guys. Big news, and I know you're gonna love it. The always opinionated advice columnist Dan Savage of Savage Love and Savage Love Cast has a brand new podcast called Hot Mike, and it's available everywhere starting August 8th. This series from Audible features a curated selection of the very best live stories about sex and relationships from storytelling shows across the country. Plus, you'll hear from comedians, singers, and porn stars who share their stories, songs, and thoughts on relationships and the art of revealing your sex life on stage. Some of the featured guests include Rachel Bloom, Jen Kirkman, Jesse Klein, Michael Yo, Kevin Allison, Guy Branham, and many more. And of course, you can expect Dan Savage to share some hilarious commentary, opinions, pieces of advice, and of course, stories of his own. You are not going to want to miss this. So check out new episodes of Hot Mike with Dan Savage every Tuesday starting August 8th. Available on Audible, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Check it out. And now back to Jackie. Okay, so you met your husband. You've been married like 10 years? Yeah, almost 11. Damn, congratulations. I know, it, it feels amazing because I never dated. I never dated and I never had a boyfriend. In college, I had the shortest, when I first started doing stand-up comedy, I had a comic boyfriend for like Ooh. six months. And it was fine. He was a much nicer, he's, I still know him. He lives here. and But he is... Is he still a comic? He's a, a more of an actor. He does some stand up, but he okay. does some, some more acting. And then, and he's great. He's a, we were not meant to be, and so I was super mean to him. Like we were fine for six months, and then I wanted to break up, but he didn't want to break up, and so it took another year of me being horrible to him, which I have apologized to him about. He was like, <laughs> I barely remember that. I don't think you were that bad. And I was like, Think about who your parents are. You have no idea what it's like to be treated nicely. Oh. And uh, 
because he's a great kid. He's a really great guy, but he's, um, yeah, he just, he was like, oh, that's true. That's true. I had no idea at the time what it was like to be treated nicely. And so you went on, so you went on one date in high school. One date in high school with Kurt Arndt. And he had a, he had a, a, a great and Nancy name. was so psyched that I had a date that she bought us a bottle of Corbell. I love that. I was 16. <laughs> she got us, I was like, he's driving. Did you lose your virginity that night? No, 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 I lost my virginity to a comic. Oh. Yeah, I don't recommend that. No, <laughs> it was fine. And uh, it's the thing about virginity is that it's just in the way. Yeah. You're just that's like, how I felt about it. Yeah, you're just like, oh, well, I'm glad that's over. Now my- we can figure out who I want to be with, and it's not going to hurt. Or it's never going to be an issue. Like, it's not going to be the, the elephant in the room where you're like, oh, what's going to happen? You're like, dude, dude, who cares? Yeah. You know, as long as it isn't painful, like it isn't like <laughs> rape or non-consensual or you've been sold into slavery or some fucking thing. Yeah. Uh, it'll be fine. It may not be the best time of year. You don't have to wait until you're married. Uh, Aunt Jackie says you don't have to wait till you're married. Uh, I'd wait till college. Uh, just or, because yeah, late high school. 18, I was like 18. Yeah, 18 would be nice just because your brain is a little more. But if you if you lose your virginity. Like I had a, there was a girl when I was in ninth grade who got pregnant when she was 14. Mm. Because she didn't know better. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is, how much did she not know? I mean, she must have had. I mean, here's when I would have. I would occasionally get laid, right? And I was like, it didn't matter how drunk or high I was. I was like, you will find a condom. Yeah. Because I'm the youngest of six and we are a fertile, fertile people. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I never had sex without a condom until I got married. Um, I feel like 18, you sort of know. Like, I took myself to Planned Parenthood before I did it. There you go. But yeah, it doesn't have to be romantic. My. Uh, my boyfriend I lost my virginity to was like, you want to rail? And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Well, it's funny because when, um, when Andy and I, and I've told this story before, but it's like when Andy and I were first talking about sex, I said, you know, I don't want to just have sex. I want, we don't have to get married or hire the caterers, but we have to be committed. Uh-huh. We have to at least be uh-huh. boyfriend, girlfriend, monogamous, because I've done the other and it, I don't feel good about it anymore. I'm bored. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's exhausting. I don't know what I've... Well, plus happened. you guys were online, right? You met online? We met online, but then we we dated for like... Well, he was traveling a lot and I was traveling a lot. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have sex for the first three months that we went out. Ah, yeah. And so we're like on our like sixth or eighth date and we're furiously making out and dry humping and uh which by the way there's nothing wrong with some dry humping with uh with a nice with a can't with get a pregnant little, no can't get pregnant and it's super fun it's a great way to get to know someone uh that you want to get to know in a in a in a sexy times kind of way so uh but we were we were out to dinner on like our sixth date or something like that and uh and we were talking about sex and and i said you know i want to be boyfriend girlfriend to have sex, but I didn't put it like that. I put uh-huh. it in some weird, obscure, and he is not a mind reader. So he didn't know that I wanted him to say, oh, do you want to be my girlfriend? Uh-huh. And then let us get the check and go do it. <laughs> uh, so we spent another two weeks making out furiously and not watching movies at each other's apartments until finally we died. <laughs> I said, so did you want to be my boyfriend? And he goes, yes, yes, I would. I would love that. And I was like, well, allow me to get a condom. <laughs> and then we uh, had the sexy times and uh, and it was lovely. And, uh, and then uh, we were, and then we... Then we date, you know, then we essentially we were boyfriend, girlfriend dating. Uh-huh. And then he finally said, I love you. And then I didn't Aww. know how to, how to 
I, I literally, my, my social skills are not great. So he is incredibly patient. And, and he's just an adult man. He's an adult human who is like, has had short-term relationships and long-term mm-hmm. relationships. His mother's, he has two moms. Oh, yeah? So he was raised by lesbians. My oh. favorite line about Andy Ashcraft is, uh, here's what you get when, you get, uh, two, when you're raised by two moms. Uh, you always put the seat down, and, <laughs> and you never bring up PMS first. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well played. And um, so... I like everything I've heard about him. Like He's on, swell. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's just sane and nice and and perfectly polite. Like, we had a, we actually had a, a small... We don't really fight. But we have, you know, we have, like, we had a, I, I, was snip, I was snippy to him or something. I was a little grumpy at him. And he's of the opinion that people get to be grumpy. You sure. Get to do whatever you need to have. But he said, okay, okay um, I just heard you take three phone calls and be super nice to people. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand why I have to be the recipient of the grump if those people go. And I was like, point made. Excellent point. Because the thing is, if I can be polite to strangers, I can be polite to the guy I live with. Yeah, the person yeah. you love, for and sure. And I love, for sure. And, uh, but I could at least, you know, it's like roommate expectations was one of this, this old joke I used to do. But it's, there's nothing wrong with roommate expectations. And then on top of that, boyfriend expectations, right? So, because I, because uh, at one point we were dating and he said, um, it's kind of great that you've never had a boyfriend because you don't have any expectations. Oh, and I hilarious. Said, I have expectations. And he said, what are they? And I said, I expect you to be nice. I expect you to be polite. I expect if we ever live together, you'll keep the common areas clean and you'll do your half of the chores. And he said, yeah, those are roommate expectations. And I said, well, what are boyfriend expectations? And he said, you don't need to know. And uh, so, and so, I mean, he's, he's a lot more romantic than I am. And so we have roommate expectations of each other. And then he's very romantic. And then I, I don't know if it's romantic, but I think about him. So I get him trinkets and I, you know, and I'm like, right. Which I think are girlfriend expectations. You're supposed to think of the person that you love. Right. And then get them a trinket if you're into it. If you think that they would be. And keep having sex. And and keep having sex. Don't forget to have sex. Because even if. Even like it's I've the glue, to, it, it's the glue that binds you together. Right. Like sometimes I don't, I don't necessarily want to have sex. You do um, it for the unit. Right. Right. We're in this together. And the thing I, when, when I, it's sometimes I don't want to have sex. I don't want to have sex. I don't want to have sex. And then I'm having sex and I'm like, Oh, I want to have sex. So like I, I have to be having sex sometimes for me to go, Oh yeah, I really want to have sex. <laughs> So, oh, this feels good. <laughs> right. No, well, let's keep going. Let's go to the actual end of this. Let's do this. And uh, so, I mean. <laughs> that is so funny. Which app did you meet on? Uh, oh, back it was back in the day, remember. So I was on, I think I made my, uh, we got married in 2003. Okay. So on 1999, uh, it was. What uh, was around? LA Weekly. It was the LA Weekly. <laughs> we had an umbrella thing with the onion nerve salon it was just a it was essentially like match.com an open kind of format it was free with all these literary publications like with all these literary and i went through the onion so i thought that everybody was on the onion and so i was like oh well at least it'll be someone who reads the onion and they'll know what funny is right (laughs) and he came through nerve 
And Nerve is kind of softcore porny. Yeah. And he never told me that it was Nerve until we were boyfriend-girlfriend. He was like, oh, by the way, I did not come in through the onion. I like the onion. The onion's very funny. Uh, it <laughs> seems like he's got a good sense of humor. Oh, yeah. God, he's hilarious. He is genuinely hilarious. And it's, um, he's just, he's very smart and he's very funny. And it's not, you know, it's not stand-up funny, which is good. And our careers are kind of parallel, which is uh, good. Uh-huh. Because, you know, he's... Um, he's an independent contractor right now, uh-huh. as I've always been, uh-huh. and um, and he's been making games forever. And it's the game industry is a lot like show business. Yeah, and I did not know that until uh, you'd fi- like he'd be working on this giant game on PlayStation, and then he'd come home and I'd be like, "What's wrong?" And he's like, "They canceled it. It was a it was oh. a three year project. We're a year and a half into it, and we're like, we're not gonna." It's not going to go on the PS3. And I'm like, and now they're going to move me over to another project. I'm like, oh, that's a drag. Because he, his ex-girlfriend, he got her a job as a play tester. And he's super supportive, right? Uh-huh. And she got the job herself to game designer, right? He didn't get that job for her. He got her, the, he got her in the door, and then she got a job as a, as a game designer. And the first game she worked on was a freaking blockbuster. Ooh. Ratchet and Clank. And so he was like, I'm very, very happy for Leslie. And I'm also slightly jealous. Oh. But I'm super happy for her. And he was, and he is super happy for her. And she has her own studio now. And it's, I'm mean, very successful. <laughs> she seems very nice. Uh, it's uh, like dating another comic, though. And it's like, you know, you introduce get, him to the booker and then, they, or whatever. Yes. That's you know? exactly what it is. And, and so that wasn't why they broke up. <laughs> and uh, he, and he's always been super psyched for her. You know, he's just like, you know, she's great. She's funny. She's smart. She's uh-huh. super talented. There's no reason for her not to be successful. And, uh, but he was like, would have been great. Would have been great if I would have been on the ground floor of God of War. And uh, <laughs> he did work on God of War 2 and oh, 3. Nice. So, but it wasn't, you know. And they're all such team ensemble uh-huh. casts of, of designers and everybody. So, you know, he's like, yes, I worked on God of War 2, but I am n- nowhere near I'm not the god of right. I'm not the god of God of War. (laughs) Exactly. No, I my uh, my boyfriend's a restaurateur, and I find that it's like so nice that it's like a parallel parallel thing. It's like he still does the conceptual stuff, and like yes, it's like creating a show in some ways, Mm -hmm. but it's not creating a show. So there's it's not competitive in any way. Right. It doesn't feel competitive. It feels comparable, and and you could have a conversation of exactly. Yeah, sort of like what I was saying with, with my family, everything has a, a sales a- angle to uh-huh. it. For him, everything has a game mechanic angle to it, just like everything for me has a comedy angle to uh-huh. it. And um, it's just, it's you know what, it's great. It's great that people have passions. <laughs> yes. And it's interesting how those passions completely and entirely take over their lives. You're like, <laughs> we're going to figure out how to do this thing, and it's like a game. We're going to figure out how to do this thing. And it's like a sale, you know, like my dad, he will, he will help people, uh-huh. but he'll do it because he's like, cause my father doesn't, he doesn't really care about money. My father's idea with money is hilarious cause he's 80 and has no money, and, but he's fine. But he's a salesman. Right. Well, he just never saved any money because my father's ah. attitude towards money is, well, you make money and then you spend money and then you go out and you make some more money. And, uh, that is the whole plan. With Education. His children, <laughs> slightly different, a little more, let's save some money. Uh, because he's out of his mind. 
and uh, with the money. But he is, but he, but he's also my father, enormously generous when it comes to other people. Uh huh. And what he thinks, he's like everyone should have whatever they want. Everyone should do whatever they want. Uh huh. Everyone should. Well, I don't understand why I didn't. Well, did you ask for a raise? And uh, he's like, well, you're not going to, they're not just going to give it to you. And, and if they, and I remember the first time I asked for a raise, my, and Oof. my boss was like making fun of me at how I was doing it. But What'd you do? I just, I was like, uh, I need, uh, I was 19 and I was like, uh, I have looked into the finances and I decided <laughs> that I need, uh, to make uh, 27 cents more an hour and this is what needs to happen. <laughs> and he was like. Oh, you're not good at this at all. And he just, and the boss tried to browbeat me a little bit to back it down. And I finally, you know, it was essentially a vision of my father behind me going, doesn't matter how good or bad I am at this. Uh, it needs to be done. Uh-huh. Uh, so I would like a raise, please. And, uh, and eventually the guy gave me a raise. Great. I uh, love it. That very day he gave me a raise. <laughs> but it was like, it's one of those things where you learn. So he's super generous in that stuff, but he also has his own expectations. He's like, yes, I'll help you, but I'm going to need to get something out of this. Even if it's the weirdest, tiniest, like he helped this guy. He, 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 it's a great story of him. He lives in an apartment building and he's like, there's a bunch of old people in this apartment building. <laughs> and I was like, you, sir, are 80. And uh, he's like, yeah, but these people are seriously old. Anyway, so uh, he's walking by the common room, and he said, there's an old guy in there. He's got to be 92, 93 years old. He just got out of the hospital, and he was kind of crying because he just got the... He's like, he was almost crying, and I, I couldn't take it. He said he had just gotten this bill from the hospital, and, uh, and I guess Medicare had paid for everything, and his insurance, he had a secondary insurance that had also paid, but he got two bills, one from the surgeon and one from the hospital, one for 15000 and one for 17000 Oh, God. And he was like, this is going to wipe out my savings. And, and, and he, there's this pause, and my dad goes, can you believe people think they got to pay hospital bills? You and don't have like, to pay hospital bills? Well, I was like, they're bills, Dad. Everyone thinks they have to pay bills because they're bills. And he goes, not a hospital. You die owing a hospital money? That's a win. And, uh, <laughs> and he goes, and you know, here's the thing about all medical bills. You could pay, send them five bucks a month forever, and they can't ever put you in collection. They can't do anything uh-uh. about it because it's, and he said, and if they get any federal funding, they have to do a certain amount of prorated, uh, you know, uh, where you, they don't want to give you the paperwork, but if you tell them how much money you make, they have to sliding fee scale how much they charge you. Ah. you it's hard to get that that document, but you can get it. And I was like, well, let me get a pen here, Mr. Incredible, and write down the notes to how to do Seriously. this. Uh, and he was like, but I couldn't take this guy. He's like almost crying. And I'm like, give me the bills. Give me the bills. And so he took, takes the guy's bills and the old guy, and he's like, get your checkbook. We're going to call these, these d- people. And they sit in my father's apartment, and they call the hospital, the billing department, and my dad, and the old guy's sitting there, and my dad's on the phone. He goes, so my friend, he just got a bill from you guys. Uh, you know, he's 92 years old. You're never going to see this money. And uh, they're like, well, he, and he said, Medicare already paid you. You're, you've already double dipped with the secondary thing. You're never uh-huh. going to see this money. Uh-huh. And the woman, he, my dad's telling me this, he's like, the woman at the other end of the phone is like, yeah, but he owes the money. He goes, yeah, but you're never going to see it. And 45 minutes, my dad talks to this woman until finally she goes, $600. We'll do a buyout for $600. Just have, does he have his checkbook? And my dad's like, give me your check. And just read the routing number and the check over the thing. 600 bucks, done. And then 
the, the surgeon was from Milwaukee, and my dad goes, all right, we're going to go visit this guy. Me and you, we're going together. Yes. I'll drive, but we're not going to go till 4.30 this afternoon. And so they get in the car. They get to the hospital. They get to the guy, surgeon's office at like quarter to five on a Thursday, right? And they go in. They talk to the receptionist. My dad goes, so uh, my friend here owes uh, the surgeon $17,000. He's got his checkbook with him. We'd love to talk to the surgeon. And the receptionist is like, of course, please come see the surgeon. They sit down, and my dad starts in again. Thinking it's going to be $17,000. Yeah, yeah. And so my dad starts in. He's like, look at this guy. He just got out of the hospital. Huh? I don't know if you know this. He just had surgery. And, you know, and it just goes on for 40. And now it's 530. And my dad's like, you're never going to see this money. He's on his deathbed. Look at him. And uh, and the surgeon's like, yeah, but I did the surgery. He's like, yeah, but you've already been paid twice. You're never going to see a dime. It's 5.30, quarter to 6. And my dad's still talking. And finally the guy goes, $200. Get out of my, give me $200 and get out of my office. And so my dad's like, write a check. And so they're driving home. And my father's telling me this story. He says, so I tell you this story because we're driving back to the, the apartment and I said, hey, let's stop at McDonald's. Get me a senior coffee. I'd love a senior coffee. And get this, he wouldn't buy me a senior coffee. Oh. And I was like, Dad, why? For five hours, you've been telling anyone who would listen to that this guy was a dead person. Why would that guy want to spend another heartbeat with you? And <laughs> he was like, but I was just hope, I was hoping to get 59 cents. I was hoping to get a senior coffee from this guy. And I was like, that was why you did it? To get a senior coffee? He was like... Maybe. I just I just thought maybe I could get a senior coffee out of the guy. I, <laughs> I like, love this guy. Oh, my God, you're a piece of work, my lo- my my father. Um oh so your Andy stories and the gaming. Let's yeah. go back to that for a second. Sure. Because I heard um he ha- there was a bit I heard on on some podcast where you talk about um like some sexual assault issues and oh, how right. you like LARPed it out. LARPed it out. I thought this was fucking genius. It is fucking genius. I recommend getting a professional game designer. No, I don't. (laughs) Do whatever you want. It's entirely a trust issue, right? So it's on my last album, right? Uh So my last album is called This Will Make an Excellent Horcrux because my soul was in it. And uh, this one, which just came out two months ago, I Am Not the Hero of This Story. Excellent. um, Get it. Thank you. Thank you very much. But Horcrux was great, too, because it had a lot more personal stuff like the album before it all the albums have done well i feel very mm-hmm. happy you know uh bread uh, it's never going to be bread is uh was top five amazon albums of the year oh congrats the year came out which is great horcrux um more critically acclaimed did very well and um is also a dvd hero did number one on amazon and itunes and then number three on billboard uh, which is yeah, none, none of my albums have ever done anything like, like that. But Horcrux is, it's called, um, I think it's called 98% of All Men is the name of the track, I think. Uh-huh. And it's essentially, it's about how, you know how you go through life and you and you are, I would say almost every woman has had some sort of weird sexual assault. Oh my God. Right. Yes. Right. If it's not full on rape, it's date rape. If it isn't date rape, you've been fiddled with a little bit. You've been or something. fiddled with some jer- jerk off has has touched you inappropriately, and it's bad. So, um, I so the the point would be was that 
sometimes if you have a lot of sex with the same person, which I had never done uh, <laughs> before. So Andy and I are constantly doing it, right? And so, and he's a game designer. And so I'm like, he sometimes wants to try stuff. And I'm like, sure. shoot some ladders, hex dice. What do you need? Uh, D&D, whatever you need, hex dice, hex map. I'm so sorry for those of you yelling at your iPod. I didn't catch and, that. <laughs> Not a big enough door. <laughs> so, but the, uh, um, but so, uh, one time we're, we're doing it and he poked me in a way that reminded me of a, of, of a sad time. Mm-hmm. So then all of a sudden he was having sex with someone who was crying. Mm. And I, in my opinion, as a woman who's crying during sex, you have two choices. One, lie there stoically, silent tears coursing down your face while he ruts like it's a Dickens novel. Oh, fuck. Or you talk to him like a person who wants you to have a good time because he does. Almost everybody wants everybody to have a good time in the sack. I promise you. Even one night stand guys were like, was that fun? Because I'm never calling you, but I hope you had a good time because I got to go. Yeah. Even those guys <laughs> wanted me to have a good time, right? And so he, we are doing it. I start crying and I decided to talk to him. And I was like, boo-hoo, sad thing. I'm going to need a minute to regroup. Uh-huh. And he goes, of course, of course. Take as much time as you want. Uh, and then he says, because he's a game designer, he goes, or... And I was like, what or? He says, or we could LARP it out. To LARP is to live action role play something. It's essentially a costume party with game mechanics. We, we've had them at the house. We did Deadwood. We pretended oh. everybody was cowboys and played Deadwood. There was a lot of swearing. I love this. And, uh, sure. Uh, he's done a Sandman. He's done five, four or five different Sandman LARPs. He's done a lot of different LARPs. If you listen to The Dork Forest, there are many episodes about game design, by the way. And uh, a lot of other things too, but whatever. The Dork Forest is my podcast. Yes. So, uh, but the thing is, I was like, "How? What? What do you want to do?" He's like, "So what we'll do is we'll LARP, we'll LARP it out. We'll pretend like one of the times I was sexually assaulted, I was on the bus. Uh huh. And um, he was like, "We'll pretend we're on the bus. Take a couple of chairs, put them in the kitchen, pretend we're on the bus. Sure. And we'll do it to each other." And then we'll laugh and we'll cry. And at the end of it, you'll be fucking me and you love me. My favorite line. And, uh, <laughs> and we'll take back the night. And, uh, and it worked. It totally worked. I was like, uh, this is amazing. And then the joke is that I was like, well, what else can you fix, right? Because bitches were never satisfied. <laughs> anyway, so I was like, because I've never been able to finish the Iliad. I think that that's, <laughs> I think that that's like... That's hilarious. Mm-hmm. I think that that's like a brilliant way to tackle that issue, though. Like, I've never... Reframing, essentially, is what yeah. I think that they call it in psychology. Yeah, I've never even... Even the reframing. Like, I don't know. Most people just... You just go, let's never do that again. <laughs> yes. It's scary, and it makes me sad. And he's like, well, it's scary, and it makes you sad. And, and he's like, if you want to just do that, but if you want to try to do this... You know, like if I accidentally, I mean, we can stop at any time, right? He's mm-hmm. like, we can stop at any time during regular sex. Andy Ashcraft, huge fan of consent. And uh, <laughs> because, I mean, that's the weird thing, Ladies, too. Ladies, this is important. It yes. is important, even in marriage, obviously. You know, yeah. when you're married to somebody or in a long-term relationship with your partner, there you have to want to do it. And if you're doing it for the team, if you're taking one for the team, like we were talking about, you mm-hmm. know, because you know you'll feel better afterwards and you know he'll feel better afterwards. Um, That's a choice, though. That is a choice. It's a choice you can make or not make. And um, But so he's like, we can do this if you want to try and fix this. 
And if you don't want to try and fix this, we can work around it. We'll work around it. And I was like, I would love to fix this. I would love to, because the thing is, is I don't want to be sad. Yeah. When I'm, when, when I'm having sex, I'd love to be able to re sort of retell that story in a funny way, you know? Yeah. Cause now when I think about me being 16 on the bus and being assaulted by some old dude, uh, it's you own the newer version the of newer, the newer. Yeah, yeah. The newer version is, is funny. Because uh-huh. we laughed and we cried, and I was like, this is not at all what it was like. And he was like, I know, because it's not <laughs> supposed to be. And uh, it's supposed to be a, a replacing a, a memory with a better memory. That's and, brilliant. Uh, and it was great. Yeah, love that. Um, you have a track on your your album, the hero. Uh, Trying to Be, yes. Oh, the gay thing? Trying to be gay. <laughs> so I funny. I, I kind of regret calling the track that because it feels weird. But again, it's only a, it's a quick joke and it's just, because I always, everyone <laughs> I, like my age, right? Because I'm 50, right? right? So everyone my age, when they were gay, everyone when they were 20 and they were gay, all some banana head friend of theirs was like, you're not gay. Don't be gay. Don't be gay. <laughs> Why are you gay? Just go get a fella. Go get a lady. Go do it. And so. Oh my God. And then they would try not to be gay and find out that they were gay. Yes, in fact. And when I was in my 20s, I was trying desperately to be heterosexual, but couldn't figure it out. And gentlemen uh, were not hitting on me hard enough. And mm-hmm. I am so, I can get a little aggro. Mm-hmm. And uh, so me hitting on guys wasn't working either. And so, uh, so, I, so one of my banana head friends said, oh, you're probably gay. So go hit on a lady. And so I went out into the world and I found a lady and we did it. And, uh, and then I woke up and I was like, no, no, that was not what I was looking for. I'm going to need the pointy bit. And because uh, I, <laughs> I just, I want, I'm not gay. I love and that you gave it a, a nice try. college <laughs> try. To be very specific. What? Uh, so. But it was, you know, I mean, the thing is, 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 and, and especially now, sex is so ambiguous, uh, ambiguous, you know? Like, there's, like, kids, I just did this thing where I, there are, like, at-risk youth wrote these, like, scenes. And then mm-hmm. we read them, and it was a benefit for this, this program. And there was, a, there was a scene written by an 11-year-old. 11, 12-year-old kid who wrote this scene about how, um... He, she thought that they were not sexual at all. And I'm like, good, you're 11. Anyway. Seriously. But they were like, they're not, they, because there's, I'm sure there's so much, because they're at-risk youth. I'm sure there's a lot of sexual abuse. There's a lot of sex talk and a lot of, hey, I have a boyfriend, I have a girlfriend. But you get to be non-sexual as an 11-year-old. But what I thought was interesting, because I know a lot of 18 or 22-year-olds who define themselves as, you know, all the different spectrum now, right? Sure. The, uh, the two Qs and the L and the B and the you G. You can pick whatever. whatever. It's all, all okay. Yeah. And so this kid had the best description of what they were. This little, this little girl. She said, I'm not a boy or a girl. I'm a gummy bear. Oh. And she's like, I don't, you know, I'm like, uh, I want to find my family. They're not sexual. They're just gummy people. I want to go find the gummy people. They live in Nicaragua. And uh, you're like, what, what happened? To, how did Nicaragua get involved? And you're like, well, you're 11. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're in Los Angeles, and that's how Nicaragua got involved. And you're like, go, kid, go. And uh, But I just, I think, you know, because there's so much sexual ambiguity 
you can fall in love with any number of people. Sure. And you can make any number of people uncomfortable as you fall in love with them. <laughs> all kinds of genders, all kinds of where you're like, well, no, I just like you as a person. Is that something? And you're like, oh, I actually have a crush on you. You don't want to do sexy times? No, I don't want to do sexy times with you. Can we just go get coffee? Yes. Yes, we can. <laughs> and... Uh, because I mean, there's it's a learned skill, right? And and the kids stay kids longer, right? They the youth, they stay. They, the millennials, everyone's like they're 27 and they're still living at home. And I'm like, who let them? Who let them live at home? Oh, that's right, you guys. Ooh, feels good to extend <clears throat> extend that uh, adolescence, though. It's super sweet. Why wouldn't you? And I mean. There has to be a happy medium somewhere between Nancy Cation. When I turned 18, she's like, so you're moving out or you're paying rent? <laughs> Jesus. And uh, I was like, I was thinking of staying here until I went to college in the fall. And she's like, you're getting a job though, right? <laughs> you don't have to pay rent if you get a job and go to college in the fall. And she was like, oh, and I'm not helping you go to college. Figure out how to go to college. And I was like, okay. And so... There's a happy medium between that and a 27-year-old who's like sure. stealing their grandmother's Oxycontin. And you're Oof. like, you're a dirtbag. Get a job. You could transition into anything but an asshole. How about that? And uh, <laughs> so it's not okay. It's just get a job. <laughs> this has been so fun. Thank you for coming out here. Thank you for having me. Super fun. Get Jackie's album. What's I am not the, the hero of I, this story. I am not the hero of the story. All of her previous albums right they're all pandora spotify uh amazon prime and you can buy them if you want but i do get a kickback if you just listen to them streaming yeah and then i had the podcasts the dork forest which is super free and the jackie and Lori show on nerdist where we just bitch about stand-up comedy so if you don't want to hear two white guys middle-aged white guys bitching about stand-up comedy listen to jackie and Lori because it's two middle-aged white ladies (laughs) so it's not really a step forward it's more of a lateral move I feel like it's it's at least a half a step. <laughs> Square dance. <laughs> Thank you. Bye, guys. <laughs>